Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. a quick fade, man. You got to let it breathe a little, man. What are you doing, Dante? Dang, man. Dante Gomez toughening it out behind the glass with his, uh, some, well, I mean, I think everybody's killing you about it uh, throughout the week. I know Coach Reese, for example, is taking some, uh, taking some uh, good-natured jabs at you in the, the previous show. But, oh, I uh, missed it. What did he say? Uh, I can't remember. He was jab- What position am I in to be getting jabs here? Uh, well, because you have your HIPAA issue. Yeah, so that means it. I should like be getting the opposite of jazz. Sympathy in this, yeah, in this, <laughs> you're at the wrong workplace for that, brother. Uh, yeah, no, there's no sympathy. He was, uh, yeah, they said you were. I, he, they mentioned you about something, and then they uh, made fun of your infirmary, infirmity, infirmity. infirmity? Oh, I, admit, I must have missed that. I'll have to go back and listen. Yeah, on the, uh, yeah, it was quick on the fan weekends page. Yes, yes, exactly. So go to denversports.com, sign up for the fans weekend page. So you can catch every minute of the Dan Jacobs show and, of course, Kyle Reese and um, Matt Smith at Real. One T. He couldn't pay for the second T. No, I'm just kidding. Matt Smith with one T at Reels Matt Smith on Twitter. Uh, I would tell you to file uh, follow Coach Reese on there, but he's one of those highfalutin um, guys uh locks his account out. So you can't you, you don't really follow him on there. So don't bother. Don't bother. He, he doesn't have time for you. Or me, or you, Dante. But by the way, Sean, is that your uh, is that your Corvette out there? That's your Corvette. Yeah. All right, we're gonna talk about your Corvette out there. That's my nice ride, by the way. Nice ride. I like that ride. But it's it's a here, here was it's appropriate. Actually, yeah, you can, you can talk in front of the mic. Um, I, this is a sign of growth for me. It's the easy like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show, and I, I pull up into the parking lot. And there's a really nice looking Corvette. What what year is that? Like an 80, 85, would you say? 85? Yeah, he said 85. Yeah. So I've been learning a little bit about more Cor- you know, Corvettes recently. Just, you know, I've been looking at other cars and stuff. And, you know, that's that's kind of from my childhood. So that, you know, that car's when I was, what, eight, nine years old. Corvettes are really cool. Um, and so I, I pull up in the parking lot today. It is the only car in the parking lot. And see, this is a sign of growth for me. Because now, Sean, how did you park your car today? How many spots did you take up when you parked your car today? I took up two spots purposely. Yes, he took up two spots perfectly. He's the only car in the entire parking lot, and he took up two spots. Because he doesn't want his car dinged, right? See, I thought it was more of he was in a rush thing. But I thought it was extra funny because the, uh, the sun shades are up. So I was like, oh, he's in a rush. We had to park sideways. Yeah. But he still had time to put the sunshades up. But. Yeah. See, this is a sign of growth for me because 
I'm going through that phase, and I've never even had, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Because, you know, they talk about you get to a certain age, middle age, so to speak, and you get angry, and you, yeah, you have your midlife crisis, and you have all that stuff. And I'm feeling that, personally, so I'm trying to, I'm doing some things to go through some personal development, to, you know, try and grow as a person, and to try and settle down. Because, one, I think, um, now, when I was a kid, listen, you weren't getting away with ADHD or anything like that. Like, it was just, you dealt with it, right? Um, so I think I probably have that. I think it's getting worse. I also think I'm getting some mild, like, you know, maybe some obsessive compulsive stuff, which may be aiding me in some ways. But I also, and I, I, I tie this back to the trauma of dealing with my father in a grocery store, right? Like, he would just jerk you, not jerk you around, but, like, he'd be... You know, racing around, come on, let's go, and he's like all of you. So I can't even, like, I can't even, like, get me in, in a Costco, it's like putting me in prison. Like, I can't even, you know, it's like the ultimate torment, right? And there are certain things now I've been traumatized where just really they upset me. And I want to believe that I made some growth here today because normally watching what Sean did, this young man did today, purposely taking up two spots with this Corvette, in an empty parking lot, normally that would have set off a, 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 a rather negative internal dialogue in my head. Like, this, you know, I would have been, you know, MF in this guy who I don't even know. Now it turns out I got up here and I do know this, you know, who it was. I figured it's got to be one of us, right? You know, I was like, it's got to be one of us here at the fan because we're in a building. We're in this, you know, there's, there's basically nothing else open today. I'm like, it's got to be one of our guys. But you know what? I just took a look at it and I just said. Eh, nice car. Nobody else is here. What's it hurt? What's it hurting? So what? He's flaunting all the rules of society. All of our societal norms apparently don't matter to this guy. But it's okay. It's easy like Sunday morning. I don't care. I'm not going to get upset by it. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't want somebody parking next to him. By the way, that does happen. You sit there. You park. Every other spot on the lot is open, and some jabroni is going to park right next to you. I know, I hate it. So I see where he's coming from. And so, you know what? I just said, no, I'm just going to go up and have a great show. I'm not going to let this guy flaunting the, the societal norms get me in a bad, start a bad negative dialogue in my brain at all. I thought it was, I thought it was some personal growth. Dan, in general, are you a uh, far parker in lots to park away from people? Yeah, yes. You seem like that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. That's not a negative. My, my dad was the same way. He would park, you know, at the end of the lot just so no one would park next to him. Yeah, I, you know, I had a, um, I think it was Mr. Steele, a high school teacher that kind of talked about it. It was kind of smashing on people. Like, like you people that, you know, you got to rush and you got to get that, that, that really close spot and this and that. Or, or, or like they would smash on Sean, for example. Oh, like Sean's got to take up two spots and, you know, other people can't park, which is not the case today. Just park far away and walk so you're not bothering anybody. But for me, it was like, you know, this teacher would talk about just park far away, get a little exercise, and don't worry about it. Don't stress out. People are going to leave you alone because everybody else is lazy and they don't want to walk as far. And it ain't like I can't use the exercise. Now, I've said this a million times. I'm not afraid of walking. I do walk. I walk in the morning. I walk the dogs. I walk for exercise. I just... They're all... You, I, I park farther in the grocery store so I can park away from people I'm not opposed to walking. I'm just opposed to walking on the golf course. When you play golf, you play like a man, and you take a cart. You don't play in the weekends, and you don't walk. 
that that's the one one of the few places where you don't walk. You take a car. But yeah, I'll park away, and you know it's good. You now I understand, and I've even been there times in my life. Like like Dante, you're about to be living in this world. You, some people they have you know either a disability, short or long term. They need those closer spots. It, it, it is it is hard for them to get into a building. Dante, you're such a person now. You can have the closer spot. I'm fine. I was actually wondering about that. Do you think I'm allowed to park in handicapped spots for the time being? No, not without a placard, you're not. Is that like illegally or are you talking? uh, Yes, legally. Like, like, you know, that is a law. No, no, I I didn't mean if you were saying no because of legal reasons or no because of, uh, like, standards. Like, I don't meet the standards. Well, both. Oh, so The standard is if you don't have the the tag, don't be... Taking up legitimate people's spots. But yeah, but I'm not going to get like a side eye from somebody if they see me get out of my car with my crutches. No, but you're, well, you're, it's not like you're Chris Ricks. Remember him? He was the quarterback for Florida State, and he just wouldn't stop parking in handicapped spots. He's like, he's like this great looking big man on campus, starting quarterback for the number one college football team in the country, and he won't stop parking in handicapped spots. And he was getting all these tickets, and he legitimately got in trouble, and he just couldn't understand it. But, no, the standard is, now you, go, now you go next time you go to your doctor, say, Doc, I need a handicap placard. And then, yes, then you meet the standard. Until then, no. Plus, yes, from a legal perspective, you, that's big-time trouble. You get one of those tickets, you're going to be like, well, I don't understand. I had a legitimate injury. But you didn't have a legitimate pass. You got to have the permit. You got to have the placard. No, and I know, obviously, legally, I know it's not allowed. But I meant more just, uh, like, social norms. If I would get, uh, like, I didn't want someone giving me, like, that eye. I mean, like, oh, this guy shouldn't be part No, that would be fun. You know what the Broncos did to me? So I had a long-term foot injury. I had to have a major, major surgery. So I was in a, a cast for, like, six months. I had the placard. Now, they give you, this is key, you want to know this, when they give this to you, because this is all, it comes from the DMV, you have to get, like, a registration. And so, but I had to, my job was working here as the executive producer, I had to cover the Broncos games. And so I had the placard. The Broncos would not allow me to use the, the handicap parking unless, and I didn't still have it because it was like, I don't know, what am I going to do with this piece of paper? I got the permit. I've got the thing that goes in the window. They're like, well, unless you can show us the state-provided registration permit that accompanies the placard, you will we will expel you from the handicapped parking spot and lot. So I had to, with crutches and a cast, like a hard cast, not like a boot or, you know, like a soft cast that you can just wrap around your leg if you wanted to. Like, this was a hard, you know, I don't know what those things made out of. Not like graphite, but, you know. Like they were, I'm like, are you guys kidding me? Yeah, nope. Hard and fast rule. Like, nobody nobody has the registration thing. I was like, wow. Um, I'm happy they caught you trying to, yeah, trying to, you know, job the system over here. Job, job the system, parking, you know. Why are, why are there so many handicapped spots at 24-hour fitness? Because Just because you have a disability doesn't mean you don't like to work out. But but honestly, it's just a, it's a regulatory thing. Like, like why does... You know, what drives me crazy is the grocery stores. Like, all the primo spots at the grocery stores are sucked up by handicapped spots. And then just when you think, okay, I'm getting to another spot that's not sucked up by all the handicapped spots, you go to pull in, bam, it's a cart barn. 
It's like, dude, can the cards go somewhere else? It was that that was actually a funny conversation. Who was saying it? Was it you, Dante? Were you the one that got the grocery carts? No. No, it was Nate Jackson. I don't think it was me. So it was Nate Jackson. So Andrew Mason was talking about what a pet peeve it is of his. Now, Sean, Sean, what do you do? We see how you park. Do you take your cart back? Or, or does your cart take up two spots, too? He's like, my Corvette and my grocery cart take up three to six spots every chance I get. Dan, it's 2023. Respectfully, I have the, 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 the groceries delivered to the house. <laughs> He's like, who are you going to the grocery store to get your groceries? Respectfully, sir, I have my groceries brought to me. Uh, yeah, so no. So there was this debate about, you know, should you take your grocery cart to the cart barn or back into the store? Andrew Mason saying, you know, can we be civilized human beings? Can we return can we not be so stinking lazy that we just leave our carts all over the place like chaos? Do we not have to take up two two spots with our Corvettes all the time and two to four? Because those those shopping carts are tricky. Like, depending on where you leave it, you could be taking up four spots, right? And what Nate Jackson was saying was, you know, I worked at Safeway. It was actually a nice little respite. I got to get outside for an hour every day during my shift. I got to go outside and, you know, Round up all the all the, the the carts, and it was actually nice. I was outside making bucks, getting some fresh air, getting some exercise, rounding up the carts. So I actually didn't mind if there were some carts struggling out there, which I can agree that that would be nice, right? But the problem is not that you know we're trying to disrespect you as an employee. It's the problem is that these carts take up parking spots. That's all. Sort of like so. Yeah, it's um. Is this the complaint about everything Sunday morning? No, it's the easy like Sunday morning, which you have to understand. This was personal growth for me. It didn't bother me. Can't you tell? It did not bother me that the Corvette was taking up two spots. I'm fine with it. It didn't start a negative dialogue in my head. This is a this is a per- sign of personal growth on this easy like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. Which, by the way, I have an exciting update to share on our grounding experiment that we were talking about. All you guys were calling me QAnon, conspiracy theorists. And uh, I have an exciting update, which we will share later in the show. But coming up next, we will check in with uh, Nuggets had a nice, exciting uh, draft night. They used up all their draft picks, all that stuff. He was hosting the morning show just a couple of days ago. Our Nuggets analyst and expert, Chad Andrus, joins us coming up next. break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Yeah, look for the light through the pouring rain. <laughs> I like this. This from Bill in Iowa. Dan, you mentioned it briefly. You can park in the last spot out there in the North 40, and some scummy a-hole will park right next to you. As it turns out, the world is full of them. They are a-holes. See? People get... It's just, uh, it is what it is. Oh, we don't have Chad just quite just yet. Endeavoring to get uh, Chad Anderson. We're going to ask him about this, by the way. Um, actually, we'll ask him right now. I was just seeing this. Uh, Dante Gomez is Chad Andrus. Uh, welcome to the program, Chad. 
Thank you. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, well, I was gonna, I'll ask you about the uh, Suns thing with DeAndre Ayton going up at the end of the interview. So, uh, you know, Dante Gomez can have his uh, thoughts on it as well. We're talking about the uh, the, the parking. Our friend uh, uh, Sean uh, he posted he parked his nice Corvette in two spots today, even though he's the only car in the parking lot. But I said it was personal growth for me, Chad, because it didn't bother me. Normally, like I would have some sort of negative internal dialogue in my head, but I just said, you know what? Eh, it's a nice car. Good for him. No problem. And I just went along my merry day, day on this easy, like, Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. Are you proud of my personal growth, Chad? That's what happens when the Nuggets exercise all the demons and win a championship. Yes. We're just not so upset and angry about the little things anymore. You can just let it slide and let it go. We've overcome. We've achieved. Those things don't matter anymore in life. So if Sean wants to take up two or three spots when there's nobody there, go for it. Park however you want to. Now, if it's a weekday and it's a full parking lot, that's a different issue. But, you know, once your team gets over the hump, you don't have to be so upset about every little thing all the time anymore. Unless, of course, someone leaves their cart in a parking spot. Then uh, then that's a problem. Well, see, we were talking about that as well because Andrew Mason was saying, man, that drives him crazy to no end. But then Nate Jackson was saying, you know, I actually didn't mind that because I worked at Safeway and it was my job to once a day for an hour, we we're allowed to go out and get carts and it was a perfect escape, you know, to it's kind of work avoid, avoid it, not work avoidance, so to speak. But, you know, something, you know, in that in that area got you outside, breathing some fresh air. You know, it's like yard time in prison, I guess. But the problem is, like you're saying, Chad. Yeah, but for the rest of us, the carts are taking up spots, and you don't even realize it until you start to, you know, pull into the spot, and then you got to back out. It's a, it's a, it's chaos out there. It's just another reason to go ahead and adopt the theory you were speaking of of just park far away because the people who do that are too lazy and they're all in the close spots. So you're never going to see that in spot 37 away from the door. So just park far away, and you don't have to deal with the carts, and you don't have to deal with the nonsense. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, what are you doing today, by the way? You having a nice uh, nice Saturday? Sunday? Uh, Did you have a nice Saturday Sunday, and a Sunday? You know, you know, nice little Sunday plan, doing laundry, making some, some chicken and baked potatoes, probably go to Home Depot. Got to get the sprinklers turned on finally since the rain is going to stop. So, yeah, you know, nice little Sunday plan. You know, might, might not get to all of it. Might not have time. That's right. That's right. You know what I was sleeping on last night? We actually got Chinese food last night for the first time in forever. And I forgot how wonderful, magical Chinese food, you know, every once in a while can be. It was, it was fantastic, Chad. Where'd you get it from? It, it, obviously a much better experience than your Italian restaurant. Yes. So the uh, Honey Bee Asian Bistro over on Hamden and Tower. Pretty good. Pretty good place. All right, free plug. But it was, you know, really noted. Yeah, the only the only issue is, which we hadn't had in so long. Um, we we got three entrees. We honestly could have subsided off of one or two. Like we right. we could have fed the whole Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah we leftover, leftover Chinese is is high on the leftover scale. Yeah. Well, the problem is I'm the only one in the house that eats leftovers, so it's. A little yeah, I I've got that same issue. That's that's the uh, quite a challenge when. The adults are the only ones that will eat the leftovers. Yeah, exactly. All right, so you uh, did a great job on Friday walking us through the um, the morning show. Look at you, big wig, hosting the morning show. We appreciate you taking some time out for, 
uh, the weekenders here. Talk us through the NBA draft. Uh, the Nuggets um, did use all three of their picks. They got some guys. How much would you uh, talk talk us through their draft selections and how you see them kind of panning out in the in the immediate future? I think we've reached a point where, one, you have to just trust whatever Calvin Booth does, and you can be relaxed until he proves otherwise. So I think that's the first part of the puzzle here is we're in a different place where we don't have to question everything about them because they've never gotten it done anymore. So now we're at a point where, okay, he made every right decision his first time around a year ago in drafting Christian Brown and Peyton Watson in trading for Contavious Caldwell-Pope and signing Bruce Brown. So he's earned the benefit of the doubt. So it, it's a different perspective when you look at what they do in the draft going forward. And I don't want to oversell it because we still have Michael Malone as a coach who may be reluctant to play rookies, especially on a championship team. But I think that the difference for the Nuggets now is because they've solved the hard part of the puzzle, getting the stars, getting the core pieces, anchoring the team, they can now look as to how to best build around it. And Calvin Booth seems to have a good idea as to how he wants to do that. And it's different pieces with each draft pick, and it's a different type of player. So they have multiple options of things to go to. But I think the common theme for what the Nuggets are building now on the roster around Jokic, Murray, Porter, and Gordon is they're not going to have to teach guys how to play basketball. So they want high IQ guys with experience who have proven they can be coachable by good programs and good coaches and they can come in and pick up on concepts and what they want to do so they can start at an advanced level. I think they saw what they had to experience with Michael Porter and not having a lot of um, high-level basketball IQ experience just because of injuries and playing time and his talent that overwhelmed everything. And I think they saw the effort they had to put into Peyton Watson last year. And it's not that those guys were bad picks. They were really good picks but they don't need to invest in developing guys like that going forward. What they need are guys that they can roll the dice on that might have a chance to contribute early because they understand how this team is going to play and how the organization is going to function. And I think that's the common theme between all three of the draft picks, even though they're all very different players. This Bruce Brown thing is intriguing to me. Um, Very, very valuable. Definitely a key cog in the championship, but um, it was almost as like people are treating him like he's a, like a bona fide star or things like that, like, like he's not replaceable. In my mind, he's, he's very replaceable. He, he played an important role, but a role uh, that you can fill in any number of ways, like almost like you were kind of talking about. Um, are you surprised that he was getting this much run? Like this, there's, it seems like there's not panic, but just like this high level of concern about Bruce Brown leaving. Well, it's an important piece. Uh, I will say that. I would love to have him back. And having lived in both places, having covered both franchises, been around both teams, I'll be honest. If I'm making the decision and the choice is $7.8 million in Denver or $12.4 million in Dallas, it's a no-brainer Denver for me. But that's because I've experienced both. And you know, I'm not a Bruce Brown shoots. He's earned the right to cash in if he wants to cash in in Dallas or anywhere else. I think he will probably still choose that, but we have to wait and see what absolutely the amount is that's offered. He is important. 
Um, it's not that he is not replaceable, but I don't know if he's immediately replaceable. It might take some time to find somebody who is going to grow into a role um, that can kind of replace the production, but it's not going to be in the same type of way that Bruce Brown played. So, yeah, I certainly wouldn't overlook it. It is very important to this team going forward because if he does walk, they are going to have to find someone else on this roster before the season starts. But is that is it part of the plan moving forward? I'm just asking that, okay, we want to do a little bit more of a development approach. Um, we're not going to stress ourselves and that, you know, Murray, particularly Jokic. I, don't, I just don't know how it's sustainable that Jokic plays these type of minutes for the next five years. Um, he's just been grinding himself out. Um, I mean, it's hard when you're seven foot tall and you weigh 265 pounds. I mean, it is hard on that type of body. Is there, I know people bristle the load management thing, but is, I thought, I thought you and I had talked about it. Like, is there, as long as there are winning games and it's, it's easier to win games on a nightly basis in the regular season, as long as they're able to do that at a good enough clip, will they be developing more talent than we're used to? Um, is that is that part of the role so that it's re- part of the plan so it's ready by the playoffs or is it no no well another thing you've talked about is hey we can attract guys with that veteran level exception or whatever um, what, for for Bruce Brown in particular we need to replace him with a, a more known commodity. You've got to replace him with a, a guy that can take the minutes and you can trust and I think there are some people who believe that Jalen Pickett could be that guy almost immediately the way Monte Morris was as a second-round pick and came in and was immediately a a backup point guard. Jalen Pickett is a five-year college player. There's a chance he could do that, but I don't think you can rely on that. So when you use the word development, I think you have to put it in the proper context. They're not developing guys to where they have to teach them how to be NBA players. What they have to develop is guys who can be the 16-game players they want for the playoffs. So ideally, you're probably only going to have a similar eight-man rotation when you get to the postseason next year, but you want to have at least two or three more guys that you could put in the game and trust if you needed to, if there's foul trouble, if a guy gets injured with a twisted ankle for a series. So you would want to have a little bit more depth there that is available to you, whether or not they're actually in a playoff rotation. And I think that goes back to why you're seeing them draft older, more experienced guys that have high basketball IQ. So when you're talking about development, yes, it's spending the regular season getting those guys to be uh, ready so they are trusted for a playoff rotation, not developing them and like, we got to teach you how to be an NBA player. So now, though, this roster is, like, ripe with guys that Nuggets fans are going to want to see, right? Watson, um, you know, Christian Brown, you know, the shooter, you know, the Strather, um, like, like, there's probably five or six guys now, young guys that we're talking about could be developed and, and we're seeing more of them. But realistically, how much is that actually going to happen next year? That, that depends on Michael Malone's willingness to put them in the regular season because there are a lot of Tuesday nights in Houston and Oklahoma City and San Antonio in February. And I I hope he is more willing to give them minutes and either reduce or eliminate some nights for Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray along the way. I don't know that that will be the case. I'm hoping that the focus is more of a top four seed for first round home court than it is 
necessarily win the West for home court or best overall seed where they're wearing those guys out. I would prefer them to, to develop those guys, the younger guys, through the regular season so they can have more guys that are 16-game ready when the playoff comes, regardless of what seed they get. Yeah, now the other thing is, are they going to, I heard, uh, I can't remember what show I was talking about, it may have been the morning show, maybe you, uh, talking about the idea that, and these are hard to find, right? Like, like if you could find them, everybody would have one, right? But like a a big man backup for Nikola Jokic that can actually play a similar style, which again, finding a you know big man that passes like him is, is hard, but a similar style enough to give him meaningful minutes that he can rest without kind of playing a completely different style every time he sits down. Do you anticipate them going out there and trying to find him a more veteran backup or some sort of backup that fits you know better within the system? I would anticipate every team in the league looking for that. <laughs> One, a big that can facilitate so they can play more like Denver. But two, uh, having a valuable backup big because if you fancy yourself as a contender, you're going to need two or three seven-foot big guys uh, to defend Jokic. Uh, also, really, to defend Giannis in the paint, if you're being honest, the way the Lakers did in the bubble with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis. So I, I would expect the whole league to be looking for that. Um, they're not easy to find because maybe if they can facilitate, uh, they're going to have some clear other issues whether it's scoring or rim protection defensively, whatever the case may be. Uh, Jokic is one of one. So trying to find somebody similar to back him up is going to be extremely difficult for Denver or anyone else. But, yeah, I would expect everyone to be looking for it. Yeah, because that's the interesting conversation. Like, I've heard several people advance the notion, well, the Nuggets are going to, you know, set the trend now, right? Because, you know, these leagues are copycat leagues. But I don't – I just – to me, it's it, it's hard for me to believe – I think it was Schlereth that was talking about, well, now we're going to see this turn to highly skilled, team-oriented basketball instead of these super teams or other things. Like, for example, I don't know, like the you know, the the Suns are trying to build again, right, or whatever. I don't know that – one, because it's just – it's very hard to replicate. It's still a player-driven league. And there's one Nikola Jokic on the planet, and there are – Lots of other very highly skilled athletic players that can fill up the fill it up from in different areas in different ways than Nikola Jokic does. Um, is it really something? Can the league really copycat what the Nuggets do? Not in terms of finding a Jokic and playing through him. I think what the league is going to have to copy is drafting and developing players and putting trust in them early and then building around them with guys with high basketball IQ that are proven winners. And you heard this theme in some of the draft coverage on Thursday night in talking about Miami and Denver and Golden State and some of the other teams near the top in terms of drafting guys that fit what they do, even if they are not ranked, let's say, on a prospect ranked athletically uh, that high on most people's boards. right? There may be somebody who is a – 60, 70, 80, 90 range prospect, and they're drafted in the 30s because what they do is an exact fit for a team that is in contention. And I think you will see more of that in large part because of the new CBA and how hard it is to put high salaries together and keep them together. So, yes, you will see more of that from contending teams. And if if teams are in a different spot, you're going to see more desperate options like what Phoenix has done. 
Yeah, let's talk about Phoenix because everybody's talking about them. Now, we just saw this morning there was news buzzing around the Internet because they thought they were going to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. Now it looks like they're going to bring them back. The Suns seem to be going all in. Now, this isn't uncommon when you know teams get a new billionaire owner. A lot of times they'll throw around big money until they you know the owner learns better. Like, oh, wait a minute, I'm just throwing away money? I'm rich. I hate doing that. Um, tell us about the Suns and then maybe some other teams that are you know gearing up to take down the Nuggets. Well, Phoenix in particular, I, I think the criticism of what they're doing is valid because I, I don't believe it is going to work to advance through a conference finals or an NBA finals. But I think if you put yourself in their shoes momentarily, you can understand why they're going this route. Because if you look at the Lakers, whose defense was phenomenal after the trade deadline, best in the Western Conference, and you look at the Heat, who have one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, neither one of them had any prayer of slowing down Denver. Denver's points per possession remained the same as it was all season long. The only thing the Heat did was create fewer possessions so the games were more low-scoring as a total just because there weren't as many chances. Denver still scored as many points per possession as they always have. So the Lakers and the Heat, the two best defensive teams in the playoffs, neither one could slow them down. Phoenix is a far cry from being a strong defensive team. So if they know they're not going to have a chance of matching Denver and slowing them down on defense, what is their other option? They've got to find a way to try to match them point for point. So I understand why they would go that route. I just don't think it's going to be successful. All right, what about the other teams that are gearing up? There's still a lot to go left in the – I mean, the NBA is just going to – you know, getting started, so to speak, as as their offseason is getting going. It seems like a lot of pieces still left to fall as teams are building their rosters. Well, yeah, there's, you know, free agency is obviously huge in the trades that may go around it with Damian Lillard. And if, you know, if Draymond Green decides he's going to pull a fast one and he goes and plays for Mike Brown in Sacramento with their available cap space, Golden State's plan is completely shot. So, I mean, it, it changes everything, right? Um, you know, Milwaukee still has some really big decisions to make as to how they're going to figure out to run it back with Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. They, they want to try to do it, but those guys are going to have a lot of other people that are interested in, in them, particularly Lopez. So when you're talking about the contenders, uh, I guess you can throw the Lakers in there with what flexibility they have. And, um, you know, the most active team I expect to be through free agency the rest of the summer and any trades before the season is probably Dallas, but I don't think they're relevant in terms of a contending conversation. Why not? I don't think they're very good. And <laughs> if they re-sign Kyrie Irving, you can completely wipe them out. You can't win with that guy. That is interesting to me. Like, why do teams like, you got like Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving, I mean, is it, you know, Westbrook, like the the league is, to me, it's one of the, the the true problems with the league is you have these guys, and especially with the you know those huge money that these guys demand. Where I was thinking about this on the drive home yesterday, where because it was the Kyrie conversation, right? Um, where the, you have guys like that that you know you can't win with, but teams still go, well, yeah, we can though, and then they. It just kills you as a franchise, but they still get the money. It's perplexing to me, Chad. Talent. They get, you know, they get mesmerized by their, their talent and the way they can score a basketball. And it's it's just something that's not particularly relevant in terms of a winning conversation um, when, when you talk about someone, the way Kyrie Irving goes about it. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, good luck to them. Yeah. All right, Chad Andrus, uh, before we let you go, uh, your thoughts on every, you know, of course, every time we have you on, we're going to talk about CU. Coach Prime going through a very kind of a serious health situation. He's hoping to be back in time. But what I had heard was one of the problems that he's experiencing now is because he rushed back to Jackson State, potentially, when he had a surgery back then. Um, are your thoughts on what's going on with Coach Prime and his health issues, and is it going to affect anything at the start of the season? Um, I wouldn't think it would affect too much because he is he's very much the face of the program and the figurehead, but that is in terms of selling CU and Boulder and getting the players there. I never was under the impression that the actual game prep and coaching the X's and O's strategy was going to fall onto his plate. I think that's why he hired a lot of high-level, really experienced assistant coaches. So, obviously, best wishes to him in his recovery. Hope he's okay. But I don't know that now that they've got pretty much all the guys they want on campus or are scheduled to be on campus for fall camp, summer camp when it begins, I don't know that um, it's going to make that much of a difference if he's in and out a little bit until that first game. Okay, so they have they filled out the roster completely? Like they have everybody now? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I would I would imagine just based on the numbers I had previously seen that they would still have some scholarships available. Okay, so but we haven't heard. I mean, we heard them adding a guy or two from like Florida State, but I don't think I ever saw the big wave of after you know after there was like the bloodshed, like they were clearing everybody out. Like I don't remember seeing like oh then they I, I know they were waiting on a bunch of guys that they already had planned that weren't on campus yet. But I don't remember outside of that. Like, I don't remember like this big wave of, okay, we kicked everybody else out and now we got 20 more four or five star guys coming in. Is that problematic? Um, I don't think it is. I mean, they're going to field whatever team they can. I guess if there's not 85 scholarship guys, they will be 65 or, or whatever they're at. And then they'll continue with, 2024 and 2025 commitments as much as they can. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it would be a problem. They they're not going to play 85 guys when they go to TCU. They're going to play, you know, 45. Well, it's, it's problematic if they don't have enough. To, it's not problematic in what you're thinking, right? Because you and I have talked a lot and you're thinking, yeah, I mean, three to four wins, right? Probably anything above four is all gravy, right? But to this fan base and to this hype, you know, they've hyped this up and they sold out all the boxes and the season tickets. Now they're, not, you know, it turns out they're not selling out all the tickets. Um, as excited as everybody was, this, this fan base could be fickle. And if they're getting blown out because they don't have a talented enough roster, uh, I, to me as a, for them, that could be prob- problematic, not necessarily for you or I. Yes, that, that's accurate, but, I don't think having 65 guys that you want that you deem talented or 85 guys that you want are talented is a huge difference to start the season because are those 20 guys going to see the field? Yes, you want as much talent as possible on your roster, but you know who's going to be out there? Yes, they may not have depth. That, that could be a question. Um, no, I, I see there are plenty of concerns and I think the, um, the marketing of CU while it really rode the wave of coach prime and everything that's going on there. And and rightfully so, I guess 
I think there's going to be a, a bit of a reality check early on in the season when right now the cheapest ticket to get into a CU football game is $115. I think you're going to see a lot of $40 tickets once you get halfway through the season. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Chad Andrus, we appreciate you as always. Thanks for taking uh, some time on a Sunday. All right, boys. Have a good one. All right. That's Chad Andrus. If you want to react to him, your chances coming up next. Judge, jury, executioner. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station 1043, The Fan. Ramaslaw.com, text line 303-713-1043. We were talking about Chinese food. Somebody says, honeybee. We're ta- that's where we went last night. It's a Chinese food place over the Seven Hills area, over by Movie Tavern. Uh, says, honeybee has the biggest portions out of any Chinese restaurant, and it's delicious. It's good. That's obviously why we went there. But, yeah, they, it was humongous. I mean, it was 70, $75, which is, you know, it was quite you know, a little, little pricey. But there was so much food; it was just literally. See, here's my thing, though. Like, you get the you, you get the the wontons, the China, you know, the crab rangoons or whatever, those cream cheese things. You got to get two orders of those because you know those are the big hits, and you get one little six piece order, and they're going to be gone, and everybody's going to be unhappy. So you have to get two of those. So that drives up your bill. And then my problem is, I always like that combination fried rice, and so. That's an entree unto itself. You got to get that. And then, but what we noticed was we really, you know, because you get the chicken dishes. We all could have shared one. You got the rice. You got the, yeah, you could have done that. Could have shared that. Uh, Dan, for me, it's more important to keep Bruce Brown on the team simply because there are five to seven main players on the team as opposed to football where there's 22. I think chemistry is more important in basketball. That's from NoCo Dan. Um, well, yeah, but the, but Bruce Brown, I don't want to diminish anything he did. He's a phenomenal player. He was a, he was a key cog in what they did, but he's to me, like the NBA is full of guys like Bruce Brown. Like you can find the guy that can come in and play that role. You just got to go out and find him or develop him. Like, do they have a guy like that on the roster right now? Not sure. You know, maybe the point guard that they drafted could be that guy relatively soon. I'm not sure. Like, and you're not asking a guy. You're asking a guy to come in and play 15 or 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. You know, I mean, we're not talking about a guy that's going to come in and play 30, 35, 40 minutes. And it's just weird because it's all of a sudden like Bruce Brown is like this. People are just like in panic mode. And it was just a nice, he's a role player. I, I, I found it kind of funny because people were making the comparison between him and Nazem Kadri. Like, Nazem Kadri, I think, more than any other player, was the reason they won a Stanley Cup last year. The Avalanche did. Like, they had all those other talented players, and they did not win Cups without Nazem Kadri. They would get to a point, they would get in the playoffs, they would get bullied around, and they would get embarrassed. And then what happened last year, 
not this past season, but the, the year that they won the cup, Kadri comes in and they get start to get bullied by St. Louis, just like every other year or years past, not, maybe not every other year, but years past, and Kadri says, uh-uh, boys, I'm putting you on my back. And he single-handedly, seemingly, just smacked around the blues, took on the entire city by himself, and he got that team rolling. And then when he got hurt, he gets injured, he gets sucker, you know, basically a sucker, you know, suckered, a sucker hit, gets injured, and then when everybody says, oh, it's impossible, he's never going to be able to come back, he comes back and scores like a key goal when they need it, an overtime game-winning goal when they need it, and gets them back on track. And Nazem Kadri, even though he's a, you know, he, you, you say, well, he was a second-line center, during the regular season when he was healthy on that team, was the leading scorer in the in the league. Like, he, he was a top player. He was a top three or four player on the team that year. On the best team in the league. Like, like an amazing, great player. Now everybody's, like, wanting to, you know, jump on him and say, well, yeah, look what he's done without the avalanche. Yeah, that's the whole point. On the avalanche team, they're both at their best. Like, is Nazem Kadri... Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, like that type of good with without being in the right situation? No, he's not. He's never quite been that good. But on this team, the Avalanche team, he's right up there. That's the point. Like he was way more of a key cog in what the Avalanche did than what Bruce Brown was for the Nuggets. Like could the Nuggets have won a championship Without Bruce Brown? And the answer is absolutely yes. Can they win another one without Bruce Brown? Absolutely yes. Can the Avalanche win another one without Nazem Kadri? The answer is they. yes, they can. I don't think they're going to, though. That's the weird thing. Like, you, you, you saw what they did this year in the playoffs. They, I mean, they got, <laughs> they got mentally whipped by a Kraken team. By an expansion team, and let's not let's not fool around here. Let's not act like, oh, they got beat by the better team. They didn't. The Avalanche, even with the injuries, were the more talented team. But they were missing that Nazem Kadri type element, which was weird to me because in years past, Nathan McKinnon had seemed to be lacking some of that type playoff type toughness and intensity, and he wasn't this year. It wasn't on McKinnon. But they just got beat mentally. And they didn't get beat mentally when Nazem Kadri was on the team. So I think the Avalanche run, although they'll be competitive and they'll have some, you know, nice little runs, you know, I don't think they'll be one and done every year. I think they're you know, their their run's over. I think they got one cup. And I think the Nuggets, even with losing Bruce Brown, assuming that happens, have a much better opportunity to win at least another ring or two. So this 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 comparison of between Kadri and 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 Bruce Brown is like whoa it's not even the same thing it's like you know pull fiction it's not apples to apples it's not even the same stinking sport so uh, all right good stuff there we'll get to a couple more texts um, some of you guys want to take some issue with some of that stuff also some CU stuff there um, and then I want to get into this. Uh, 
I heard another show talk, actually spent quite a bit of time on it. This kind of um, war on the media with Sean Payton. And I'm a Sean Payton guy, but does it make sense? We will get into that coming up next.